world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Yid Kadal, Yid Kadash, Shmei Rabbah. Amen. The question really is, is God dead? Where is God? I mean, the same question has been asked since the Babylonian exile. I would think... The question has been asked since man first stood on two feet and looked out into this empty universe. And after one of his family members had been killed by a wolf, asked the great spirit, why? So it's not limited to today. It's not limited to Jewish people being slaughtered by subhumans. I'm a student of Native American lore. If you want to study the history of Native Americans, you want to, you'll read an awful lot about slaughter of whole tribes being wiped out by the U.S. cavalry. I know you don't want to hear it. You want to pretend that they were all John Wayne. Of course, the Native Americans slaughtered each other as well. Noble people, great people, incredible people, 10,000 years living off the land. And you read about revolts and what happened to the Native Americans as they revolted. And you could say this sounds just like what's going on in the Middle East. Slaughter, rape, torture. But yet we uh, bring it down to today and you ask yourself, where is God? Is God dead? And I'll let each of you come to your own conclusions because I'm not here to instruct you. I'm not here to guide you. I'm here to apologize to God for my sins. And that's it. Can the impure spread the word of God? I've done that before on God Talk. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. I said, I'm so sick and tired of the hand wringing coming out of Israel. Like the other day, a Qassam rocket was fired from Gaza, which I said, don't give Gaza back to those murderers because they can only use it as a staging ground. What are you, sick? And many of you called me and said, oh, no, you're wrong. Sharon knows what he's doing. What is the Jewish way? What are the words in the Jewish prayer for the dead? There's actually no mention of death. It doesn't even mention death. It's just the praise of God. If you look at the words from the Aramaic, if I could find what I'm looking for here, I have to move around to any different little computers at once. It's a mourner's Kaddish. The prayer never mentions death or dying. It proclaims the greatness of God. And uh, by reciting it, mourners at Jewish funerals show that even as their faith is being tested by their loss, they are affirming God's greatness. It's that simple. Me, it makes no sense. I'm an angry person. I feel like cursing God when I see Jewish girls being raped by 
Palestinian freedom fighters from Harvard University. They raped women, Jewish girls, on the bodies of their dead friends. They cut the throats of infants. We haven't seen anything like this since Hitler's Germany, since the Holocaust. There's no point in parsing words and glossing it over and saying the Israelis have done this and they deserve that. It means nothing to say all of those things. I'm fully aware of the founding of the state of Israel. I'm fully aware of the Arab sentiments about the taking of lands, even though some of the lands were purchased. I'm fully aware of the fact that uh, Cain slew Abel. I'm fully aware of the fact that this is a biblical battle that doesn't seem to ever end. But you have to decide whether you want to live or die, because if you think the Hamas is not here in America, listening to me in America, or in France, or in Germany, or in Norway, or in Finland, or in Sweden, or wherever you may live in the world, if you think all those wonderful Muslims you welcomed into your country love you so much because you're such a good person, because you gave them free housing, free medical care, they spit on you, they hate you, they think you're a piece of pardon me for being so nice to them. When ISIS was raging across Iraq and that part of the Middle East, they were raping and slaughtering Christians and uh, non-believing, in their mind, Muslim girls. Other religions were being slaughtered by ISIS, the cousins of Hamas. And who, was, who destroyed ISIS? Russia and the United States, our new enemy, Russia, because of Biden. I don't want to keep bringing in Biden and Trump because it's going to throw us off. But never forget, if you want to know reality, Trump used the United States Air Force in combination with the Russian Air Force to snuff ISIS and stop the slaughter. There's a great article, once I was a peace advocate, now I have no idealism left by Elon Benjamin. He's a cousin of Daniel Pearl. He's been a peacenik for a long time. It's a long article and I, I don't, I'd like to read it to you, but I don't really have the time. He's a progressive Jew. He says he calls himself a prototypical arc of a diaspora Jew who has always advocated for nuance, nuance. If a man comes to put a bomb in your mother's house, put one in his mother's house first. George Orwell wrote that. He should have read Orwell before he wrote the story about being nuanced with the people who killed his cousin, Daniel Pearl. It's a good article. Read it for yourself. I don't have the time, nor the inclination. A progressive Jew. That means a suicidal, self-destructive person. He said, I've always been a progressive Jew, always advocated for peace. And he said, this week, something broke on us. We watched history repeat itself. Well, no kidding. You watched history repeat itself? Are you surprised? Now, I, I don't want to go into the politics of this because there's blame to go around and it lies primarily with the Israeli government. Let me be very clear. To me, and I don't care what you think of me at this time, history will prove I'm right. Netanyahu let this happen by accident. He was so obsessed with his own power and fighting the liberals in Israel over judicial reform that he dropped the ball. But the question remains politically, how did all of those within all of his military agencies, how did they let this happen? Now, this conspiracy theory is just as there was when FDR allegedly knew about the Japanese about to attack Pearl Harbor. I've read it all. I covered it all. 
and he let the Japanese attack so he could unify America against the Japanese because he needed a foreign war. I've read it. I don't know whether to believe it any more than I don't know what to believe about Israel. I know All I know is that when they broke into the kibbutz, the kibbutz, the, the little farming settlements in the Negev desert on the border with Gaza, they didn't just capture the Jews. They raped, they tortured, they killed. And then they, they took Jews into captivity. Not seen since the Babylonian exile. We're living in biblical times. We're living in biblical times. It's the Bible in front of our eyes. Many years ago when I was on the radio, and I dreamed I was on the radio again last night. It's very funny. I don't, I don't wish to be on the radio. I did it for 26 years. It was my third or fourth major career. I don't want to do this an hour or three hours a day. I want to do my two podcasts a week, and I, I, got, I want God to give me the, the mind and the health to keep doing this as long as I can. I don't need to go backwards in time. I wish the best of luck to those still doing it. It's all in my rearview mirror. Memories, dreams, and reflections. So why am I doing God talk? I'm doing God talk because I need it and you need it. The same reason any good preacher does a sermon. He doesn't just do it for the congregants. He does it for his own heart, his own soul. What's in here and what's in here. That's what he's doing it for. So I'm in pain. You're in pain. I can't believe what I'm watching. I don't want to go into the politics of the BBC and CNN and MSNBC. I really don't want to go into it. I have new respect for certain people in the media and new contempt for certain people in the media. It's irrelevant what I think. It's what you think that matters to you. But I want to talk about God. That's all. First thing I said is, where's God? Is God dead? Have I become Nietzsche? Is God dead? I mean, I've asked this question my whole life. You think it's just today? So years ago, I wrote a book called God, Faith, and Reason. Go buy it. Don't buy it. Buy my new book coming out next month. Or don't buy it. But I wrote a book called God, Faith, and Reason. And I was looking through it this morning thinking, is there anything in here that I could read for my audience today on God Talk? that would have any relevance to, to the slaughter that we have just seen. Where are they going to get faith and reason today? Where? No, I, I can't read you the whole book. So I'm going to begin with this. I, I sent this question last night to four or five people. Please bear with me. I want to get my iPhone. So I, I asked the question last night before I went to bed about midnight. I don't know when. I try not to watch the news. I can't watch it. It's too hard. And I ask the same question of four or five people, four rabbis and one person in the media, and they'll all remain anonymous because I don't want to share their private opinions. And I said to them, how do we believe in God in a time like this? They call the religious don't say the word God. They say Hashem. So to the rabbis, I use their vernacular. I said, how do we believe in Hashem in a time like this? When Jewish babies are slaughtered, Jewish women raped, entire families taken into exile, where is our merciful Hashem or God? So a very wise, mystical Jewish rabbi said to me, I wish I could tell you that I have an answer. 
He said, and I don't think we are supposed to give any type of theological answer because any type of answer gives some level of justification, quote unquote. That requires thought. He said, our response is to be strong and know right from wrong, good from evil, and eradicate evil from the world. Just write it down and think about it. Others have said other things. Someone in the media who is very famous said, a question that's been asked many times, starting with the Babylonian exile, he is right also. Questions, answers, it means nothing when you've lost someone and you don't know where they are, and they're being held. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Have you become a victim of the timeshare trap? You think there's no way out? Well, Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has helped over 35,000 families out of financial hardship by getting them out of bad timeshares, and they may be able to help you too. Listen, if your timeshare agreement goes on forever, if you were told timeshares are a great investment or your maintenance fees will never go up, you, know, you need to get the facts about timeshare cancellation. For over 10 years, Wesley Financial Group has been dedicated to helping folks get out of a lifetime of debt by canceling their timeshares. So they created a free timeshare exit information kit that reveals how the timeshare industry works and your options for cancellation. To get your free timeshare exit information kit, simply go to iCancelTimeshare.com. That's iCancelTimeshare.com. I'll say it one more time, iCancelTimeshare.com. Thank you very much. iCancelTimeshare.com. Hamas is not a terrorist group. Oh, it isn't, man. First of all, Hamas is not okay. a terrorist group. Handicapped people being held by Hamas. Can you believe this? In wheelchairs? When I saw a handicapped girl snatched by these subhumans and taken into a tunnel in Gaza, a girl who could not survive very long without tremendous care, I thought of my brother Jerome. And I um, have shared this with my audience for a long time. I have to turn this screen off if you don't mind. It's blinding me. Thank you. And in my book, God, Faith and Reason, it's called Jerome's story, who I called my silent brother. Because I kept asking myself, if it, as a little child, why did God make my brother like this? Why? Why was he born this way? He looked fine. He had blonde hair, blue eyes. He looked perfectly normal. But then they found out he was not normal. He couldn't see. He couldn't hear. And he couldn't speak. He was basically a vegetable, or so they thought, and that's what they taught me. It wrecked the whole family. My mother cried endlessly, quietly to me. No one else knew she was crying, only me. And what does a little boy do when a mother is crying? He tries to make her happy. So I would entertain my poor mother. I would do stupid things. I became an entertainer for my mother. I'd imitate people. I'd put on faces. I'd make sounds and noises. I'd wipe the tears away. And she would smile. She would stop crying. So I learned by entertaining my mother how to entertain an audience. I learned how to talk to an audience by talking to my brother. I learned how to talk to animals by talking to my brother, my silent brother. 
You see, I was told, don't talk to him. They put him in a high chair and they strapped him in. He was sitting in a high chair strapped in. And they said, quiet, Jerome is, this is what the medicine, this is what the doctors told him in those days. Don't talk to him. Don't talk to him. He was blind. He was deaf. He doesn't know what you're saying. But when no one was looking, I would sneak into the kitchen where he was alone in a, in a chair, strapped in alone. Imagine the terror. And the dumb doctor said to the healthy brother, don't talk to your brother. You'll, you'll bother him. So I thought, if he's deaf, how can I bother him? He can't hear me. So what a child thinks. So I would talk to him anyway because I loved him. And then I would whistle to him because I didn't think he could understand words. And he would smile when I whistled to him. Isn't that interesting? So I said, wait a minute, I'm a, I'm a little kid now. If he can understand the whistle, he knows his brother's here. Then I hear the voice. Michael, what are you doing in there? Are you bothering Jerome? Come on, get out of there. And later, the backward doctors of the day in the 1940s decided that for the sake of the healthy children, he would have to go to a state home for the disabled. I want you to think about the profound impact on the, quote, healthy children who felt responsible for sending him to hell. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb shall sing Isaiah 35, five. So the day came when they had to take Jerome to a state home. It was a horrible hospital on Staten Island. I can't remember the name of the home. It was a snake pit that was exposed as horrible years later. If you think the VA hospitals are bad under Biden, think about this. They took away little helpless five-year-old boy because the doctors were such quacks in those days. And I want you to imagine the street scene as they took him away. In those days where we lived, everyone knew everyone else in that tenement. 829 Longfellow Avenue, Bronx, New York. I can't remember if it was six or eight stories, but everybody knew everybody. It was like a satire I'm sorry, a Satya Ray movie, Sajat Sajat Ray movie, an Indian movie, a great filmmaker, Sajat Ray, probably been forgotten by now. If you ever watch Indian movies about India, Calcutta, the teeming masses, well, that's my childhood. Those were the days when you'd see women sitting outside in front of the building in chairs. Just like in those old black and white movies, watching as the children played in front of them on the sidewalk. In the summer, they'd open the hydrants so the kids could run through the water. That was our swimming pool, the gutter in the water. It felt good to me. It was cold water. It came from the mountains. And the women would protect you from any potential danger. But there was no potential danger there because nobody sped down the street. There were no guns going off. And perverts were thrown off the top of a building if, if they ever hurt a child. I told you that before. We heard about one child being molested somewhere way up on the Grand Concourse. And the men threw him off a building. They found him. They didn't call the police. They killed him. If there was even a hint of a pervert in the neighborhood, the men would find him and they would throw him off a building. So you see, there were no perverts around to hurt children. The men in my neighborhood didn't wait for a judge to tell them what they could or couldn't do. They'd either beat a perv up or throw him off a building. So we had a very safe childhood in that sense. So everyone knew everyone else. And finally, the day comes. Everyone is hearing that they're taking away my brother, Jerome. I don't think I can read any more of this. I'll be honest with you. 
I just can't take it. It's not about you. It's not about what's going on in Israel. But to, to relive this now, I didn't even want to open this door again. But it made me think about God when they took him away. The whole neighborhood watching this, taking him away in a stretcher, in a white ambulance, like a, like a 1940s movie ambulance. Everyone's crying. Two men in white. That was the beginning of something in my life. It was the end of something also. It was the end of my innocence. And I ask myself now, what am I supposed to believe? That God made a mistake? It was just a mistake in the hospital? Somebody made a mistake somewhere and they did this to him? Or was it a neurological defect that created my brother and there was no reason for him? But here's the answer I came to years later. I believe poor Jerome was created like that for me. He was my Jesus. I believe my brother was created that way for me to be able to reach people, to be as articulate and as impassioned as I am. I feel very guilty because all my adult life I've lived for two people. I've told you that before. Otherwise, there's no explanation for me to be alive this long, not with my genetic inheritance and not with the stress level I've lived with. I should have been dead a long time ago. But the point is that God had a certain fate for me, and I think it had to happen, that my brother had to be punished for me to live the way I am. And I've lived with that guilt my whole life. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. And 40 days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him three score and ten days. Genesis 51 to 3. I really nothing more to say. The rest will just be political. You'll have to decide. You'll have to decide for yourself what's what. We can talk about loss. Loss. If you don't know how to deal with loss, you can't live. And that's why shielding a child, protecting a child from all pain in life is the worst thing you can do for that child. I know parents who shelter their children and the children then wind up going to college. And if someone looks at them the wrong way, they break into tears. That's what's going on in America today. The sheltered white children of America. Someone says a word, they go home crying. They would never, never train to defend themselves or emotionally prepared for any kind of difficulties. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Hamas, unlike these awful comparisons to ISIS and Al-Qaeda, is actually a nascent sovereign of the Palestinian people who has only targeted Israel. They have all insisted that responsibility for this lies on at the feet of Israel. But getting back to today, what do we make of this? It's one thing for nation to go to war against another nation. That's why there's a Geneva Convention that was created in Geneva a very long time ago because there's rules of war. Cutting the throats of infants in their cribs or raping a daughter in front of a father on the dead body of a sister is really not in the rules of war. But apparently Hamas didn't read the booklet. They didn't pick it up when they were over at Berkeley. 
they didn't get around to reading it when they were studying it at Berkeley uh, in the Eastern Studies. What's the good of all the books? At a certain point, what's the good of a book? Tell me what the good of a book is. What's the good of a Bible? The Jews learned in 1948 to have a Bible in one hand and an Uzi in the other. Of course, they didn't have Uzis at the time. They were using old British and American weapons from World War II. And they learned that nobody wanted them there. And I've read the history. I know the history. I know the Jews have been in Palestine since 5,000 years at least. They did just come there from Europe after the Holocaust. Of course, many did. But there's been a Jewish presence since the time of uh, Abraham, 5,000 years. Did the Jews get along with the Arabs? I guess some did. I was, they lived together. They got along. And then, of course, the state of Israel was created. And you could say that triggered this rage. But it's irrelevant what it triggered. You could say that us taking the land from the Navajo or the Hopi or the Arapaho or all the tribes of America. Do I have to read all of the tribes to show you how smart I am? The Sioux, etc. all the Indian nations. We're living on their land. So all of you left wingers who say, oh, if the Israelis gave back the land to the Palestinians, there'd be peace. Give back your house, you schmuck. You in Berkeley, you you give back your land, give back your land to a Native American, you're lying, you, and then open your big fat double talking mouth. Every nation on this earth was founded in blood. Peaceful Scandinavia, founded by the, the Viking warriors who destroyed everything in their in their sight and took took captives. It's always been based upon bloodshed. There's not a nation on earth that was not created through blood any other way except through bloodshed. I'm not justifying it, but you want reality, you want history, you want bull bully. So what am I getting at? I'll let you figure out what I'm getting at. In other words, a nation is a nation or it's not a nation. Either it can defend itself or can't defend itself. But you don't defend yourself by slitting the throats of the infants of the enemy. You think that that's going to intimidate the enemy and make him run away? It made him even crazier, more warlike. It unified Israel, you idiots, you. By what your people from Harvard taught them to do, all you Harvey and Harvard and Berkeley and Yale and Princeton, all you white liberals, by appeasing the Islamist murderers long before 9-11, you encourage this. You have blood on your hands. Did it make the Israelis run in fear when they found the babies? uh had had their throats cut and their women raped and then others taken away into dark tunnels. Did it make the Israelis say, Oy vey, we're not going to fight. We're so afraid of them. There are Israelis who would like to uh, drop a nuclear weapon on Gaza and not let anyone leave. By the way, if you want to know extremism, they want to close the gates and kill everyone in it. But of course, thank God they didn't do that. They turned the water back on today. They didn't want to let a million people die of, a lack of water. And Hamas is not even letting the people in Gaza who are innocent leave. I could go back to Gaza itself. Great book written by Huxley, a story called Eyeless in Gaza, which I used in one of my podcasts this week. It went over the heads of everyone. Why is it called Eyeless in Gaza? Why did Huxley write the, the book Eyeless in Gaza? What did he mean? That's where Samson had been blinded by the Philistines, who were the ancient Palestinians. 
So they took Samson, which was a symbol of the power of Israel at the time. They captured him. They blinded him with hot coals. They tied him up. And then they had dwarves poke him with hot pokers and throw a net over him and torture him. And what's the story of Samson, who was a symbol of Israel, which is what I worry about right now. So Samson says to I, whoever was in there with him in the temple, and they're all laughing at him because here's Israel now tied up and blind and being tortured by dwarves with hot pokers. And all of the Philistines are in this, the arenas laughing at him. Ah, there's Israel tied up and they're laughing at him. As the fable goes of Samson, he said to those around him, please put my hands on the pillars of the temple so I can feel I can feel the audience or I can feel the earth tremble because God is about to strike them. And then the story is Samson pushes against the pillars and they're all laughing at him in the, in the stadium. And of course, you know, the walls came tumbling down and killed everyone in the stadium who had mocked Samson. And of course, Samson himself died. So there's a metaphor for Israel right now, which of course is going to be lost on them because they are warrior people. They're being led by warrior people. And there's no nuance left, not after this. They tried peace. They tried giving back Gaza. And go into that story of Ariel Sharon's greatest blunder. But Samson died when he brought the temple down upon the Philistines. And that's what I'm afraid will happen to Israel, is that if they go too hard and too fast and too far, they'll bring the temple down upon themselves and it'll destroy Israel itself. But who am I to tell Israel what to do? Just an old man somewhere in America talking about, does God exist? Who's going to pay any attention to me? I'm not even on Fox News. Can you believe that? I'm not even on Fox News. I don't have the wisdom of the geniuses on television. I didn't get the makeup and the eyebrows and the this and the that. I don't have the flashing lights and ads for women's hygiene products in the middle of my speech. You're getting it raw, straight out from the brain and the heart. So the metaphor here of Samson is quite profound, Eilis and Gaza. My literary references are very important to you because there's no one left in the media who even knows what the hell I'm talking about. They're not bad people. They're not foolish people. They're not stupid people, but they're not well-read. They have no, no history. And there is a wisdom in age if you've spent your whole life reading, digging, sorting, analyzing as I have done for all these years since I'm a child, since my brother, as I said earlier, at a certain point, you come to certain knowledge and understanding. So God has still given me life and breath so I could be here today with you on this, in this medium, telling you like it is from one man's perspective. That's all it is. I don't need it to be broader than that. I'm not running for office. What can you do for me? Nothing. Just listen. You can hit the like button. Make me feel better tonight. You could go to Amazon and make my publisher happy. You had the faith to publish this book, A Savage Republic. It's for him, not for me. If I made a million dollars more, it wouldn't matter. If I made 10 cents less, it wouldn't matter. But he took a chance on the book, and I want him to come out well. Do it for him. Do it for America. Maybe by putting A Savage Republic on Somewhere in a house, you could convert one of your progressive friends into understanding the, what's the subtitle? Inside the Plot to Destroy America. It's almost prescient that the title 
is here at this time inside the plot to destroy America. If you don't see that now, there's a plot to destroy America. Then you'll never see it. I love Anthony Blinken now, the hero, running around from country to country, from here to the on, talking to the king, talking to this one, talking to this head scarf, that head scarf. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't join the war. Stay in there. We'll bring another ship and another fleet. Blinken caused it all. That's why he's all of a sudden such a wonderful Jew. You didn't even know he was Jewish before this. Before this, who knew he was a Jew? Now, all of a sudden, in the midst of all this, Blinken is out there. Suddenly, he's more Jewish than the, the waiters in, the, in, in Katz's were in the 1940s. I'm a Jew, he says. I lost my Holocaust relatives and this. Her. All of a sudden, Blinken's the great Jew. Why? Because he knows what he created. He created Hamas. Him and Obama. He worked for Obama. You don't even know this. Blinken is a functionary of the Obama administration. That's right. Your pal. The hidden, the hidden Muslim. Barack Hussein Obama. He, Blinken was his uh, front man, ran around giving out money to the, all of these terror groups. Now Blinken, oh, Mr. Blinken, great hero. Give him a Nobel Prize now. It's a little too late, Anthony. A little too late, Anthony, to make up for what you actually created. You created the Frankensteins. Savage. Home of borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. As I say, you have to connect the dots, and it takes a long time to understand what the dots are. You have to see the dots before you connect the dots. <laughs> Once you connect them, you have to understand what you're trying to say. So don't fall for this from the Biden administration all of a sudden how great supporters of Israel they are. Two weeks ago, they wished Israel disappeared. All of a sudden now, they're sending one aircraft carrier group, another aircraft carrier group. Years ago, I was on the USS Stennis. I don't even know when. It was an amazing experience. And I learned a lot about our military power, which I didn't know. I think I was taught that we had eight or nine or ten carrier fleets. I was shocked that we had these flotillas. It's not just an aircraft carrier with 5,000 men and women on it with a contingent of warplanes, fighter jets, but they're support ships. So each aircraft carrier has these support ships. So it's a carrier group. We had eight, nine, ten of them and all over the world because we are an empire. We're not a republic. We all know that. We're an empire that's falling apart. We know that. This could be the last days of the empire. We all know that. I'm not the first to tell you this. <clears throat> you cannot sustain an empire with this amount of greed and corruption. Again, that's too political for right now. And maybe for another time. So we're sending an aircraft carrier group. I learned when I was on the Stennis, the USS Stennis, a great ship, by the way. And incidentally, the captain who I had met on that ship was a great captain. You have to be a pretty great captain to be the captain of an aircraft carrier. First, you have to be a very proficient um, aircraft carrier jet pilot. Then you become a captain. Now they pick a lesbian out of Harvard and they make her the captain of a ship. Someone who couldn't drive a 20 horsepower Evinrude or Yamaha, to be more specific, on the back of an 18 foot rubber boat. Now she's the captain of the aircraft carrier. She's the political officer. That, that's what, what's going on since Obama. They purged him, threw him off the aircraft carrier, he said one wrong word to a, one of the women they hired, and they put some idiot in charge of the carrier. 
But I learned that every aircraft carrier group, meaning every aircraft carrier, has more warplanes on it than most mid-sized nations have in their air force. I was shocked. Could you imagine that? Each carrier of ours is the equivalent of a, a, a fairly large country's air force. Has the, That's how big it is. And the support ships necessary. Wow, so you send one in? Okay, God, well, what is it doing there? What's it off the coast of Lebanon for? It's a warning. It's a warning to Syria. It's a warning to Lebanon. It's a warning to Egypt. Stay out of this. Don't go in because we'll bomb the hell out of you. Of course, it's almost a redundancy in the sense that we don't even need aircraft carriers anymore. They're like the old, uh, you know, the ancient uh, battleships from the 1890s, 1900s, a show of force, the dreadnoughts. They're redundant in a sense. You have a nuclear submarine that could annihilate all life on Earth. Russians have them and we have them. The British have them. The French have them. One Russian sub has enough power on one sub to wipe out life on Earth. One Russian sub can launch a missile to wipe out all of North America. And people like Blinken provoked Russia into this Ukraine debacle when they could have sought peace instead of war. So now they're running around looking for a peace prize. I don't buy it. And last night, where was Biden? In the middle of all this, where was he? Apparently, they found the right mixture of uh, cow colostrum and other substances in his uh, evening uh, milkshake. And he was able to give a good speech. They, they uh, got him going. And he went, uh, Biden, now. they gave him the colostrum from New Zealand, some good stuff, the good stuff from New Zealand. And they sent him to uh, the gay lobby group called the Human Rights Group. You hear? In the middle of this, the gays have to get together. And they have to have a, another party for how unliberated they are. So I... I texted Biden pandering to gay LGBTQ lobby at human rights dinner, quote unquote, as Hamas and other fanatical Islamists kill and torture gays wherever they dominate. Did they even mention that? The human rights group, a gay group, didn't even mention this, what's going on in Israel. Do you know what they would do to gays in, in Iran, what they do, what they do do to gays in Iran? And uh, you think any exist in Gaza? You think there's an openly gay community in Gaza or any other Islamist-run nation? Yeah, let me know about it. Meanwhile, the far-left Dem squad, under occasional cortex, who has a quarter of a brain, wants one million Palestinians into the USA, including the moron who set off the fire alarm. You hear these rodents? The rodents in the squad... The rodents in the squad want them all here. I know Jordan was set up to be their homeland. I understand why Jordan doesn't want any more Palestinians, because if you study the history of Jordan, when the Palestinians went to Jordan after the creation of Israel, the Palestinians tried to overthrow the Jordanian regime or government and take over Jordan. And if you want to study the history of the Palestinians, study the, a, 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 a title called Black Sunday. Because it wasn't when the Jews slaughtered Palestinians. It's when the Jordanian military slaughtered Palestinians. So learn a little bit more before you open your big stupid mouth from Berkeley, if you don't mind. Study your history because you're going to be condemned to repeat it here in America. And I'm more worried about what they are going to do in this country if more of them are let in 
than anything else. I've been warning about the Islamist present in this country, in this country since my first book. I call him Hitler in a headscarf. Was I wrong? No, I'm not wrong. You want to be right? You want to be smart? If I was smart, I wouldn't even be doing this right now. You never would have heard from me. I would have been another guy playing golf somewhere. First of all, I don't play golf. I never learned to play golf in the Bronx. There were no golf courses. We played stickball. Some played handball. I didn't even like handball against the stoop, against the buildings. I, I didn't do that. No, I never learned to golf. I missed that. Missed that part of my upbringing. So what would you like me to do as I conclude this morning talk, which is, where is God in the time of Islamist slaughter of innocent Jews? Have you gotten enough? I think you've gotten enough. The average listening time is five to eight minutes. I could break this up into five segments. I can give you much more, but I think I'll give you much less. Does God exist? I ask in the beginning of God, faith and reason. First question. I don't know. I never saw God. I've only seen glimpses. I've never met him. I'm not Jimmy Carter. Is God real? Where is God? Maybe you've seen him. I haven't. So how do we end this? With a fable. We end this with a fable. We end this with a fable. Only I don't have the fable. The fable is within you. You need to find your own fable to continue to believe in God. Because I don't have it for you. I could say be kind to someone today in your family. That would be great. Give someone a hug that you've been angry at in your own family. Just do that. They say that you can change the world with one act of kindness. The great Jewish sage, Maimonides, a Rambam, wrote, he who saves a single life, it is as though he has saved the entire world. I learned that when I was an adult. I thought that was beautiful. That's why there's so many great Jewish doctors. That's why there are so many great Jewish doctors. Oh, there were. They don't even go to medical school anymore. They're not allowed in. I have a Jewish doctor, a dermatologist, a young guy in his 30s. I said, I said, you know, you're the only Jewish doctor I know who's left. He said, I'm the last of the few. They don't even let us into medical school anymore. They're seeking everyone else but them. You hear this? You know what the future of this country is going to be? There'll be no music, no art, no poetry, and no medicine. In 50 years, because of what's going on with, quote, affirmative action and uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, there'll be no symphonies. There'll be no museums. There'll be nothing. We'll be a third world nation. That's my opinion. You don't like it. You can do what you want with it. It doesn't matter to me. So again, let's conclude where we began. Is God dead? Does God exist? I will conclude with what the wise man sent me. The wise, mystical rabbi said, I wish I could tell you I have an answer. And I don't think we're supposed to give any type of theological answer because any type of answer gives some level of, quote, justification. I didn't understand that at first. 
Because the minute you say a theological answer, there's someone who'll counter it with another answer. And he said, our response is to be strong and know right from wrong, good from evil, and eradicate evil from the world. On that note, all I will say is pray for Israel, pray for America, and pray for yourself. And I thank you for listening. You want to do something great, hit the like button. It'll make me real happy. I'll make another 10 cents in another world. But I do want you to do something for my publisher, not for me. Go to Amazon. It's coming out next month. Savage Republic Inside the Plot to Destroy America. If you think this is not part of the plot to destroy America, what Biden and Blinken and our open borders are doing to this country, Oh, God, help, help this nation. How many Islamists have come over that border because of people like Blinken and Biden? How many? I don't know. Wish I knew. Be strong. Stay armed. And God bless America. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.